Hi, my name is Alain Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. You're listening to Snow the Goalie. Oh, yes. This is Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia, and it's a uh, little bit more upbeat this week. Uh, it is? It is. Why is it upbeat this week, Russ? Because your team, your town, the orange and black, the Philadelphia Flyers, defied the odds over the weekend. And they... Uh, they did? Well, it was, it was, well, end of last week. They beat the Washington Capitals. That was over, last was Wednesday. Last week. Listen, that's fine. I like to go, listen... <laughs> Last Wednesday. Oh, let's is, forget about the fact no, that they got no, shut no, out stop, on Saturday. Stop. No. We're not <laughs> going Negadelphia the today. Odds. Defied the odds. National TV. They take down the Washington Capitals in Russ. a game that very few people gave them the, the chance of doing. And sure, Saturday did they get shut out? Yes. But there were things to take away that were positive on Saturday, uh, Saturday night's game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Namely, a team that came in winning nine straight games was held in check. One goal, and it was a kind of fluky goal. It could be a lot worse, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Last week, when we did this show, the Flyers were in a playoff spot. Yes. This week, when we do this show, and oh, by the way, the Eastern Conference-leading Boston Bruins are in town tonight. They're going down. Okay. The Flyers are no longer in a playoff spot. It's fine. But you want to start off... With being Mr. Positivity because yes. they played a nice game against the Capitals last Wednesday? I do. Because I think there are positives that you can take away from that game. And there's something about this team that is oddly perplexing. And it's actually something that we see with uh, with the, the other team that happens to share Wells Fargo Center with the Sixers. Which is, this team tends to play down to lower competition and tends to play up to the level of their opponent quite often. And that Capitals game, I think, was, was a really good sign. In that, you know, it's... It's a team that tends to send quite a few fans up into Philadelphia where you kind of lose some of that home ice advantage. And to show out on national TV where, quite honestly, over the last couple of years, we've seen this team on a Wednesday night rivalry kind of situation or on a national stage on like a Sunday telecast with uh, NBC where this team kind of craps the bed. The fact that they were able to pull out a win that not a lot of people gave them much of a chance and was good. And the fact that I think they didn't get shellacked by a Tampa team, mind you, early in that game, they go on the PK, and it felt like what last year would have resulted in an early goal and the wheels falling off. They played a competent game against Tampa. Russ, so I, I look at it, I'm like, this is okay. Russ, they've lost six of their last eight games. Yes. Russ, six out of eight they've lost. And you want to highlight like the one decent win? The other one was in Anaheim against a bad Ducks team. So they have like one decent win since Christmas, mm-hmm. and you want to be like, oh, yeah, that's great. Everything's yeah. fantastic. I'd say everything's fantastic. Come you got to keep on, in mind. Man. No, what? You got to keep in mind that since we last did the show, they went down, they lost yeah. in overtime to Carolina. Right? Yeah. They rebounded well on national TV. They won. They held Tampa in check and had a fluky goal beat them. But where are we? This is, look, this I'm, is, I'm not going to react to two weeks ago. we got to react to week over week. Wrong. This is positivity like if the team was stinky like last year, right? Oh, okay. They went they went 1-1-1 one, one, and one this past week against three good teams. That's okay. Not that bad. Russ. It's not. Russ. I'll give them credit for the fact that they're hanging in these games. Sure. I'll give them credit for that. But there's a lot of issues right now. 
This team has a lot of problems. I'm not saying they don't. Well, so how can we start off the show? I can. Oh. What What's so hard to understand? You can look at it and say, look, if this had happened against three bottom dwelling teams, then fine. Like, by all means, you could rip me to shreds for it. I look at this and I say, you you beat arguably the best team in hockey, right? You took down a team that looked unbelievably elite last year and turned around won nine straight games, was steamrolling the opposition, and like, sure, you lost, which sucks. And would it have been better to take to get at least a point out of that? Absolutely it would. Should they have probably scored a goal and forced overtime? Yeah. But I can look at that and just as easily say, like, it could be a whole lot worse. And for a team that looked absolutely lost for a week plus leading into the uh, to the last three games, I have to say, like, there are positive trends. It's okay. I'm not saying that it's great. I'm not saying that this team it looks like an elite squad. I don't know what the positive trends are, Russ. They didn't play great. That You look at them 5-on-5 five five against Tampa. They were throttled. The Lightning controlled the whole game. The Flyers couldn't make a pass through the neutral zone. They couldn't get. They couldn't set up offensively. The power play was 0 for 3 again. That's that's four straight games without a power play goal. That's five for their last 33 in, in, in I think it's seven games or eight games, whatever it is. They're, yeah, okay. The penalty kill was good. The penalty kill. Penalty kill has was been, good. Has been borderline elite. Why? Whoa! They were terrible on the road trip. They've been. Borderline elite in the you're, last two games. Are, last two games. Russ, give me two games. You're insane. Give me two games. You're insane. I, you know, I, I need fans to call in and tell you that you know that you need to get off the meds because you're on the happy meds right now. Okay. I just had a really good corned beef sandwich. <laughs> it's two weeks this, in a row. This corned beef sandwich is amazing. Two with this corned beef sandwich. Well, I want fans to call you and tell you that you're nuts. So give us a call and tell. I mean, seriously, tell tell Russ that he's out of his mind. It's eight 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 seven two eight nine nine four one is the number. You just give us a call and you can sit there and tell him. You know what, Russ? This Flyers team is not playing well right now, and it needs a lot of changes. And there and and to Elaine Vigneault's credit, as a coach, he's trying. He's he's juggling stuff around. We got more juggles today that we're going to talk about as the lineup changes. Another. The the, uh, the express from Lehigh Valley continues. One guy going one way, another guy coming back. Not thrilled about this uh, one. Uh, really? Yeah. Really? Keep going. Ugh. And then, uh, then there's lineup changes. Again, the power play has changed. Uh, the lineup for the power play has changed. Um, so there's a lot going on for, for, you know, for a team that's playing such great hockey, the coach is really changing everything around, you know, for a team that's playing so well. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that today and you know what else I want to talk about? And I'm going to need, I'm going to need Ryan's help with this. If he can, if he's paying attention in the other room, of course he's not. I don't think he is. I don't think Ryan's paying attention in the other room. Uh, but I'm going to need his help with this. Uh, because one of the things I want to talk about, you know, the exciting thing from last Wednesday you wanted to be excited about the Flyers last Wednesday, but I need I need Ryan to weigh in with me on the conversation that took place between you and I, beginning at around three fifteen last Wednesday. Oh, we're gonna rehash this. You did this on the press and, show. Yeah, but it's different. It's a different audience, oh, okay. and it carried through till right up until almost game time. So I'm gonna need Ryan's help with that. We're gonna talk about that as well. You're annoying me tonight. I'm annoying you. You are. A little bit. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into that first, Ben. Let's get into that first. So, Rye, here's the deal. Let's start this off the right way. I want the people at home, and not Lennox, because Lennox is biased. He's fake news. Imagine for a second that 
you host a show with someone and all you're checking in on, it's one simple question. Are you going to have dinner down at Wells Fargo Center? That's the only question. Are you going to go down early enough to have dinner? Because you might want to talk over what you're going to do on the Press Row show. Very simple. You think that that would at least warrant a single text back to say, I think I'm going to get there around 5 o'clock, or I might not get there until close to game time. Very simple. But for Anthony Sanfilippo, it's too difficult. Now, I'm glad that I'm, he I'm glad that Russ has selective memory because I have the texts pulled up. Yeah, the texts are, oh, I don't know. No, oh, that's know. not exact, That's oh, not what they know. say at all. Oh, all right, so it's, here's how it starts, Rye. I got a phone call last Wednesday around 3.15 in the afternoon. It's Russ. He's just leaving school, right? Guy's on his way down. He's like, eh. You know, I'm th- I think I'm going to go to the Y. Yes. I think I'm going to get a workout. What do you think? I don't know. That wasn't asking as should, if it should was I like, go get- no, whoa, 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 whoa. I think I'm going to get it. And I'm whoa. on the phone with him. And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. If you want to go, go to the Y, sounds great. You I know? said, I think I'm going to go to the Y to work out. Do you know what time you're going to get down to Wells Fargo Center? You were trying to dictate whether or not you should go to the Y based on my response as to what time I was going to get to the Wells Fargo Center. If you were going to say that you were going to get there for 5 o'clock, I would have just gone to Wells Fargo Center. I would have caught up with you, gone over what we were going to talk about, and that would have been it. But what difference does it make? And I would have sat. I would have done like the normal stuff that I do. I would have like looked up for some posts to do for the site. I would have gotten everything set up, and it would have been fine. But you are incapable for some reason of just... Provide so, a time. Fair enough. But in that conversation, I said to you, my my goal is to be down there because I had some stuff going on. I mm-hmm. couldn't get down there real early. My goal was to get there by 630. Now, it was a 730 start, right? Yeah. So it was my goal was to get there an hour before the game. Which, which I didn't realize. And then I said, you know what? All right, is, I'm, I'm definitely going to go to the Y because we have the extra half hour. Right. And, yeah. and, and then, you know, getting there 630 would have given us time to go to the media meal, mm-hmm. right? Have something to eat before we had to do the press row show. I get a text from you. Here it is, Rye. Here you go. I get a text from, from Russ at 5.20. Okay? We've, now, we've had this conversation, and I told him 6.30 was my goal. Leaving well, the, don't say which one. Don't le- say which one. Leaving I don't the need YMC- any people watching me leaving on the, a treadmill. Leaving the YMCA now. ETA just after 6. Thoughts? I don't remember you saying 6.30. And then Anthony says, my plan is still 6.30. My plan is still 6.30. I'll let you know if it changes. So then, 6 o'clock. So what happened? 6 o'clock, I park. And what do you do? I just said, just parked. He texts me to tell me he parked. Okay, just parked. And what does he say? Uh, 6.45. Yeah, I'm I'm running a few minutes late, probably 6.45 instead of 6.30. When you say the plan is 6.30, that means that you could get there earlier. It could, you could get there later. Well, wait. Well, wait, so then now I've told you it's 6.45. Is anybody still listening to the show? The response this? after that. We have to do damage control on this. Let's do, a, let's, let's do a macro they're listening. assessment. They're listening. Wait, How now, many people You just want don't it? want to keep getting, you don't want it because you know it's, you sound ridiculous. I'm just point, I don't sound. I'm pointing out to just how much of a work wife you are, okay? Then the next thing is, are you ready for this, right? Eat here or gnaw? Not no, gnaw. Gnaw. N-A-W. Eat here or gnaw? Or gnaw. I would have blocked this number immediately after that text message. Okay. You'd be lucky to so have get, my number. So then, so then, he put, then I didn't answer it right away because I'm driving. It gets followed up with the a- The guy lives like 10 minutes from, from Wells gets, Fargo it Center. It gets followed Won't up- Won't use a GPS because Mr. Smarty Pants over here knows the best Wait, way to get there. it gets better. Routinely takes at least 30 minutes to get 
a 10-minute drive. First of all, it's not 10 minutes. I live in Springfield in Delaware is, County. It's it not 10 minutes from the Wells Fargo Center. Mind-blowing. The follow-up text oh, from him, because I didn't answer right away, question mark? <laughs> Simple. It's like an awkward first date, and, and like you don't know if they're showing up or not. No, question this, mark? I, I'll tell you what this is. This is It's not an awkward date. This is like when you sell something on Facebook Marketplace, and you have to meet up with the person at the Wawa. <laughs> No, oh, yeah. what this is like, this is like oh, yeah. single white female over here. Okay, wait. So then I said, just eat. Don't worry about me. That's my, I texted him back. Because I had already gone up and gotten everything set up for the press row show. Six, 6.45. Okay, I just sat to eat. Just, Se- 7.06. Now, hold on. Context. One of the elevators <laughs> at Wells Fargo Center has been down. And a couple of weeks ago, this guy was like, oh, I guess I'm going to go upstairs. I'm like, you don't want to do that. You don't want to ride all the way up because trying to come all the way back down is going to be a disaster. They were stopping at every floor. I tried to save the guy some time. 706. Tick, tick, tick. I mean, it's like, I'm like, I'm here. I've been here. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm upstairs. Where are you? Well, You're no, where? Because like, I was set up for the press <laughs> road show. I'm like, we were. What we am were, I? This we were was up my against, entire no, day. No, no, time out. Dealing with him. <laughs> time out. The entire day. Whoa. Hold on. Pause, <laughs> Skippy. Because you make the tick, tick, tick sound like I'm saying come down to eat. I'm set up. <laughs> Everybody in press row is like, where's San Filippo at? I'm not kidding. Two guys to my right, they're like, oh, yeah, we haven't seen him yet. This is weird. Because it was like 7.15 for a 7.30 game. Everybody knows we do the press row show. Why does everybody know? Because we're the only live streaming show from press row of Wells Fargo Center. And his name is Russ Joy. <laughs> no, you should have done it right there. Got a little beard. Oh. <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You can sign DJ Lennox to come out to do your live oh, event and get man. priceless gems so that was, like that. That was last Wednesday. Right. That was last Wednesday. More so, I remember that. We're that like, was that's we're more imp- 15 minutes into a show. That's more imprinted. Seven and minutes I apologize to the Flyers fans, but that is more imprinted on my brain about last Wednesday than the fact that they beat the Capitals. Because since they beat the Capitals, they lost another game and there are all these changes to the roster. Yeah, okay. Well, and and the coach is not happy. He shouldn't be. You don't make all these changes if you think your team is playing well. Okay. And so that's the issue. And then you want to start the show saying, oh, it's positive, positive Monday. Happy, happy, joy, joy today, friends. Yeah. Right? That's what Russ yeah. wants to do. So, no, I can't do it. Let's talk a little bit about the changes that are happening because – I did a story after the one nothing loss to the Lightning just about – and it was the first time I actually disagreed with the coach, Russ. It was the first time where I sat there and said, yeah, A.V., I, I'm not buying it. It was a worthwhile dispute. Because I asked him in the press conference. And I said, yeah, there's a lot of frustration in the locker room about the power play. I mean, you know, Jake Voracek even said, I'm not talking about the power play. Okay? I mean, he was really ticked off about it. Yeah. And a couple other guys, while they answered the question and, and weren't as, you know, directly annoyed, they, you know, they kind of pointed out that, they, you know, they're not getting anything done on the power play. And I asked Vino about it. He goes, well, I think the power play has been decent. You know, we've, we, we scored a goal in, what, four straight games? I was like, that, that, that's not now. That was, that was before Christmas. Yeah, that was uh, 
early it early was, teens in December. Well, it went into the right, it, wasn't it, it, like it the carried sixth? into the first game after the Christmas break, okay. right? So it was the last three games before Christmas, and then the, the game in San Jose they scored one, um, and then but nothing really since. And the power play's just been it's it's constantly changing. Yep. They, they keep moving people around, and guess what? They're doing it again tonight. Well, guess who they pulled off the power play tonight? Not one guy. Two guys. They pulled two guys off the power play tonight. What do you think they did? Give it a guess. Well, Jake shouldn't be down near the net where AV had him in the last game. Mm-hmm. So are we counting? We're not counting like JVR, who's typically on that unit. So I'm guessing Jake is off. Jake is off. That's correct. Uh, they didn't make a change on defensemen starting, nope. did they? Nope. Well, they wouldn't take Claude off. It was his nope. uh, 32nd birthday yesterday. Coots. Coots uh, is off the power top power play unit. Uh, They've replaced Jake and Coots with JVR again, going back to that well, and Kevin Hayes. Who was the first one that you mentioned? Jake. No, no, no. Oh, His replacement. JVR. Are you trying to pull the Kincaid there? Is that what you're doing, the Kincaid noise? Uh, so here's what the plan is. So apparently... And again, this is what they practiced this morning at the skate. So it, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen in game, but it, it's usually pretty indicative that that's what's going to happen. Um, so they are going with two guys in front of the net. Okay. So they're going to put both JVR and Konechny in front of the net. Now I don't I don't mind that okay. that idea. Okay, but um, so you're going to have JVR and Konechny in front. You're going to have Drew on the one wing. I guess Kevin Hayes is going to play on the other and then Provorov at the point. I mean, I don't think of Kevin Hayes as a real setup guy. Like, I I didn't mind the idea of putting Hayes on the top power play if you were putting him in front of the net because he's a big body, right? You know, I, I, I don't look at him as a guy who's going to make a lot of, you know, passes like Voracek would. I would have kept Voracek on that with Giroux. And if you want to try JVR, fine, but I would have I would have gone Hayes first. I would have given Hayes a shot and place a JVR in front of the net and see what Kevin Hayes could do there. It's a weird it's a weird thing to do. Here's the problem, and, and we've brought this up a bunch. Yeah. It feels like there are certain guys that A V has not been able to get through to or are just not letting him in. Mm-hmm. Right? The fiend Bray Wyatt says, let me in. A V probably says, let me in. Right. JVR for some reason, and even, I mean, I know that you're going to fight me on this because he's had a good run of play recently, but like early on at least, Jake Voracek was a guy that was constantly having his name brought up. Now, it seems like Jake has turned it around for the most part. He's been one, right? of, their he's, better, he's been one of their better players for and, a while now. And on that road trip, he was one of the only players on the team to really yeah. contribute uh, in the scoring front. But JVR has been this enigma. And if you're... Elaine Vigneault, if you're Michelle Terrian, if you're um, Mike Yo, at some point, like you put three former head coaches or three head coaches' minds together, and at some point you have to wonder, is this what James Van Riemsdyk is? I mean, has he fallen so far from grace from when he was a $35 million player in the mind of Ron Hextall, coming back from Toronto, supposedly turning down bigger money offers elsewhere? Have we gotten to a point where this is what James Van Riemsdyk is? And if it is, it's bad. I mean, this is really bad. Uh, I know that a lot of times people like to call out the core and they bring up 
trading Claude Giroux or they bring up trading Jake Borachek. But at least in the case of those guys, like they have real value. Now, you can make the case, and I, I've said this a few times, unless Jake gets on a scoring streak, which he has recently, I don't see a team going and trading for an eight-plus-million-dollar-a-year deal with, what, four years remaining on it. James Van Riemsdyk was supposed to be a guy that I think could have been a legitimate trade ship. Like if you realize, if you didn't feel like he was going to fit into the system, but he could poach goals on the power play, then at least if you're Chuck Fletcher and you don't believe in him, or if you're Elaine Vigneault and you don't believe in his fit uh, within the system, that James Van Riemsdyk should have been an attractive trade piece. And instead, his trade values cratered. We've seen how many times this season where he's gone and gotten demoted third line, fourth line. And remember, he stayed on the fourth line for a while. And so at some point, you just wonder if you're if you're James Van Riemsdyk, like when you look at yourself in the mirror and you get ready for a game, are you happy with the player that you are? And if if the answer to that is no, then what do you do to fix it? And if you're AV, it just feels like he's trying to get Van Riemsdyk jump started and putting him back on the power play here in lieu of uh, Jake. I think is an intelligent thing to do if it results in a goal. If it doesn't, and JVR just kind of becomes a black hole again, or effectively wipes out any positive of the power play, it's almost like you're playing four-on-four four with just a big body somewhere near the net. Like It's a serious problem, because they still have, what, three years committed to him after this season at $7 million against your cap annually. That's a problem. And even if you wanted to get out from under it at some point, you're probably going to what have to attach some kind of trait of a draft compensation, you would think. Well, there's that, or you're going to have to keep some of the salary. You have to count some of it, like eat some of it, right? Not. A, <laughs> uh, it's not like Chuck Fletcher has done that before. Yeah, I mean they're not gonna, like yeah. that's caused all kinds of cap problems for this team so yeah. far this year. Well, if, although if, in fairness, Niskanen was a a vast improvement. Yes, yes. So it ends up being worth it, but no, it was certainly worth it. I I think, but but I mean, it, when you you know, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it would have been nice if the Flyers had that extra space as they try to move people around and or even potentially make a trade, which we're going to get into because there was a discussion of that. Elaine Vigneault mentioned today that the Flyers are looking around for a bottom six center. That that conversation is happening. So we'll get into that in a minute. Um, let's talk about the rest of the lineup changes because there are other changes. All four lines will look different tonight. Uh, your top line, <clears throat> Claude Giroux, still on the left wing. Travis Konechny, still on the right wing. But now Kevin Hayes is your top line center. Giroux and Hayes played together earlier this season, very beginning of the season, they played a little bit together. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if Konechny was on their wing or if Voracek was on their wing. Yes, Voracek. Because Konechny played because with Kadoria and, and Lindblom, right? So it was so it was Vorchek. So this is kind of a new combination. We'll see how this works. Might work. Kutz is going to play on the second unit with Raffle and Vorchek. You can just stop there. I understand why they're doing that at least for tonight. Uh, no, I get it. Because they're going to play against they're going to play against the top line for Boston. They're going to play yeah. against Bergeron and Pasternak and um, Marshawn, and th that's a pretty good. The one thing I'll tell you about, Voracek has never been known as a good defensive player, but he's actually been decent defensively this year. He's made it a point to get better. To get better this year. To silence those credits. And Couturier and Raffle are both really good defensive forwards, right? Mm -hmm. So that that's why that line is together that way. The third line, uh, Lawton, 
Van, uh, is going to center JVR and Nick Aubé-Kubel, which is really a grind line at this point. That's a fourth line. Well, yeah, that's a fourth line. Except that the fourth line rating is the third line. Except that the fourth line is Joel Farabee on the left, Tyler Pitlick on the right, and recently recalled Connor Bunneman. Great. So now we have a phantoms, a phantoms line as the fourth line. Well, Pitlick's more than a phantom. Sure. He's an NHL player. But you're not, you're not too wrong. So there are some great quotes today regarding all this. Um, and, uh, you know, you had Vorobiev go down. Good. Um, Misha Vorobiev can go down to Lehigh Valley and he can stay there. And, and the next time that this organization decides that he's worth a call-up, I just need them to pull film from practically any of the games that he has been called up to in the last couple yeah. of years. If that's not evidence enough that he doesn't belong at this level, I don't know what to tell you. And they called up David Kasha. He played just eight minutes the other night. Yep. He got sent back down, and now Bunneman's back up. Um, and, you know, there's this has been a constant back and forth. And here's what Vino had to say about that today. It is something that we have been looking at in the trade market. There's no doubt it's evident by the number of people we've tried out there in that bottom six role. But at the end of the day... That's one area. But in the big picture, I look at our last game, and I really liked our compete level. There you go. AV on board with you. I really liked our defensive part of the game. We didn't give a highly skilled team a lot of chances. We need a couple of guys to come up big and get some points for us, whether that be JVR on the power play, Jake, Kevin Hayes, G, had an unbelievable chance with five minutes left, tying goal on his stick, and the puck fumbled a bit. That's an area what you're talking to me about that we're looking to improve, but we need our big boys to come up big for us. So that's telling you that they're looking at bottom six centers. They're not looking at a big name. And once again, he's saying the veterans on this team are the guys that have to step up and be the difference makers again. The problem is it's just like, and, and I like AV and I, I've enjoyed him as the coach. I've enjoyed the interactions that we've had with him. I think he's a, genuinely good human being there were um, some videos that were released over the past week about oscar lindblom especially when he made an appearance down at skate zone um he seems like a good human being but i question now how many times can you go and call out the same vets or mention the same vets by name and get that jolt and if if at this point in the season that's the well that you keep having to go back to, well, who who's he going to call out, Russ? That's the thing. I, I'm I'm just saying, like I don't even know if it's worth calling anybody out by name at this point because the names that he mentioned were the same ones that you were saying a week ago were the reason that the team well had any with the exception had, of JVR. But yes, at at some point it's just kind of like I don't know. As, as a player, I feel like at some point you're going to tune that out, right? Like where in the past this. The, the, whoever the head coach was, it was Dave Hacksaw, if it was Scott Gordon, nobody would mention these guys by name. And if they did once, that was it, but that was that was a one-off. With AV, it's been more consistent, and I just kind of, I, I don't think that it starts to work negatively in the locker room, but I do wonder if there becomes a little bit of apathy from those vets, if they just kind of check, if they just kind of tune it out, because you're going to that well so many times. And, you know, you just went over the lines, and this is part of the problem. Um, the team could not account for Oscar Lindblom's diagnosis. The team probably tried to account for 
some semblance of a Nolan Patrick absence by virtue of going out and getting Kevin Hayes. Which, by the way, Chuck Fletcher is going to give us an update on Nolan Patrick tomorrow at his press conference. But you see the quality that this team started with. You see the quality of in the offseason when we projected what the lineup was going to look like. And even like a couple weeks into the season, just the way that this team looked like a pretty, not a stacked team, but a, a pretty deep team, 12 deep. And now we look at it and and the depth is a major issue. It's a major question mark. We'll get into that on the other side here. Um, but we do want to hear from you. We want to know where your head is at with the Philadelphia Flyers at this point. Give us a call, 888-728-9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. This is Snow the Goalie on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Are you looking for your new must-attend spot in all of Southeastern PA? Go check out Odd Logic Brewing Company, located at 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA. Odd Logic Brewing Company is the place to go to watch any Philadelphia sporting event. Plus, this weekend, they've got Conor McGregor in his return to UFC. The prelims start at 8 p.m. The main card starts at 10 p.m. And Odd Logic Brewing Company will have food trucks outside and the match on every TV inside of their tap room. The best part, this weekend, they will not charge you a cover to watch the fight. While most bars and most breweries will charge you an arm and a leg, Odd Logic Brewing Company costs you nothing. Check them out this weekend. They're open from 5 to 10 p.m. on Thursday, 4 to 12 on Friday, 12 to 12 on Saturday, and 1 to 8 on Sunday. Plus on tap, they've got a wide variety. They've got Wander Into Existence, a 4.8% Hefeweizen, Deer Summer, a 5.2% Wheat Ale, and off we go, a brand new double IPA, 7.8%, including some tropical and citrus fruit notes. Uh, they've got the Hooligan Factory at 6%, an American Brown Ale. On another level, 6.5% IPA. On another level with peaches, apricots, and vanilla beans, 6.5% IPA. And plus, they've got some handcrafted cocktails from 1675 Whiskey, including a peach tea and a raspberry lime. Plus, get ready for this, this is exciting, for those who are your designated driver, try the Caveman Coffee Company Nitro Cold Brew, always available on Nitro. Give them a look. Odd Logic Brewing Company, 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA. Check them out. Let them know that you heard about them on Crossing Broadcast, on Snow the Goalie, on the Press Row Show, via Crossing Broad. Let them know. And uh, go check them out this weekend. Odd Logic Brewing Company. You will love it. And we're back here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. This is Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers radio show. I don't know if you knew that, Anthony. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't realize. It happens that. to be the only Flyers radio show. All those people who listen, don't forget to go tell your friends and family about Snow the Goalie. Ryan Lennox has his mic. I'm here. Did you know that Snow the Goalie is the only Flyers radio show? I do because you say it at the beginning of every show, and that's sure usually do. when I turn the volume down in here. Ah, it's a thing of beauty. <laughs> We want to hear from you, the Flyers faithful, 888-728-9941, 888-728-9941. We've got Neil on the line. Neil, you're on Snow the Goalie Radio. Gentlemen, how are you? Great, Neil. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty well. Um, well, I, I, I don't know. I have so much going through my head right now regarding this roster. Um you guys kind of hit it on the head. That the point I was going to make about flyer depth is that, obviously, before the season starts, you don't factor in a 20-year-old not being able to play because of migraines and then, God forbid, a healthy 20-year-old contracting bone cancer. 
So there's no doubt their depth has been hurt because of illness, not necessarily injuries, but illness. If Nolan Patrick can get back, I mean, I would equate it to a huge, you know, move, right, almost like a trade, you know, right around the trade deadline. That's my first point. My second point is just to piggyback off your comment regarding Elaine Vigneault saying they're looking for a bottom six center. Could that be a smokescreen? Obviously, the team isn't going to divulge what they're doing, but could there be something between the Flyers and Nashville? The only reason I say that is because we obviously could use an influx of a top six player. And if you look at Nashville's roster, they're underachieving as much as the Flyers are with Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne. Could there be something maybe where you do a Voracek and a pick for Matt Duchesne? And would Chuck Fletcher be willing to trade one bad contract maybe for a Nashville bad contract? And just, you know, maybe Matt Duchesne comes to Philly and, all right, well, I just need to change the scenery. Is that a possibility at all, do you think? Well, let me attack your first part uh, really quick, and then I, I think Anthony has something on the trade. Um, the one thing that I can tell you is that what I've gleaned from people around the team, they knew that Nolan Patrick wasn't going to start the season. And there was a planning that was going on internally where they were planning on likely not having him for at least the first month of the season. And I think that's part of why they were so aggressive in going out and getting, getting Kevin Hayes is because in a worst-case scenario, he misses two months, three months. I don't think that they expected him to miss the first half of the season. But I do think that that was part of their initial planning. And that was part of why they were so aggressive and why they, you know, arguably overpaid for Kevin Hayes. Just imagine where this team would be if they didn't have him. You know, and and I think that's part of this. And, you know, when, when they made the signing, Anthony and I talked a lot about, you know, with a guy like Kevin Hayes, who you'd say is probably a 2C, maybe a two and a half C, depending, you would want Nolan Patrick to outplay him where Kevin Hayes would end up being your three C. But then your problem, of course, is that's a really high salary, an annual value to pay a guy to be your three C, but that would mean that Nolan Patrick took that next step. And what you're seeing right now, obviously, is the the team is hurting for depth at that position because I think they kind of know that Claude Giroux probably couldn't stand up to the, the physical beating that, it would take for him to play center for 82 games. So that, I think, is part of it. I do think that they knew that Nolan was going to be out for a while. I don't think that they thought it was going to be this long. And I think it's interesting that they're going to give an update tomorrow on him because uh, aside from it being that he's going to be you know, ramping it up and be back in the next few weeks, I'm not saying that they're going to shut him down, but I don't know can what I, kind of positive uh, you know, update you could really get. Can I ask you a question, and obviously they would never, well, you, I, I shouldn't say obviously. Is it something more serious than migraine? Um, my, Buddy and I and I were having a conversation at work the other day. Like, a, a 20-year-old professional athlete, I know, look, I've had migraines in my life, man. They kick or you know what. But is it something, could this be something more neurological with Nolan Patrick that they they aren't divulging? Could it be... God forbid something like neurological. Yeah, well, it, yeah, Neil, and I'll address that. Um, I, I think so. I think it could be. Um, I don't know if they'll ever say. It. Now, do I think it's? Do I think they're hiding like some kind of post-concussion syndrome? I don't think so. I don't think it's that. 
But I do think that there might be something else there that we're not being told about. Um, I just, just kind of, you know, from, you know, talking to guys in the past uh, about Nolan and, and where, you know, what his, where, where, what his mentality is and, and how he approaches the game. And, and you know, a little bit uh, disappointing because for a guy that's picked so high and has such great talent and great expectations that he doesn't, you know, approach things the right way. And it was always chalked up to youth and chalked up to being oh he's 18 19 in the nhl he'll figure it out in a couple years but maybe there is something else there i I don't want to speculate and say what but um you might not be too far off with that um god forbid you know it's, it's a tumor. Oh, no, know. no. I don't no, think, no I don't, not that far. I don't think it, I wouldn't go that okay. far. Yeah, no, I wouldn't take it okay. that far. Um, but I, I want to do want to address your, your trade question. Um, I don't think Nashville's the team that you're going to match up with. Um, you know, Nashville is has had a disappointing start to their season, um, but they, they fired their coach for a reason. And the reason they fired their coach is because underlying metrics will tell you that the Predators have actually pr- played pretty well, just haven't won some games. So there's that fine line where if they could just do a couple things differently, they might start, you know, being one of the better teams in the West, as a lot of people predicted they were. So I still think that the, the Predators are going to be looking to get back into the Western Conference race. They're not that far out of it at this point. Uh, and really going to try and make a push because they made the investments in Ryan Johansson, in Matt Duchesne, in Philip Forsberg, uh, in Roman Yossi, paying him. Uh, he starts getting $9 million next year. They re- Kyle Torres. Yeah, Torres has got a $6 million guy. Um, so I think that you're going to see those guys, or see Nashville kind of try and ramp that up. If, in fact, Nashville doesn't turn it around and a month from now they do look to move somebody, I, the only name I could even conceive potentially that the Flyers might match up with them with would be like a guy like Nick Benino, um, who would fit that bottom six center role. Um, although he is signed for another year beyond this year, so you might have to give up a little more, and you're probably going to have to um, give up some salary in return because the Predators, uh, even though they're in a better cap situation than the Flyers, they're still only like two and a half million under. Right, so I think that that's right. probably. So I think I think you're, you know, it would, while it would be nice, I don't think if the, the when the Flyers are going to be going out and making a trade here, but prior to the deadline, I don't think it's going to be for a name, a big name. I think it's going to be for a veteran, probably an unrestricted free agent type or pending unrestricted free agent type, uh, who's going to come in, play bottom six, maybe kind of you know give a little bit of length to the to the lineup but not anybody that you expect to come in and, and score 15 20 goals the remainder of the season interesting and the last question i have yeah uh when we spoke uh we spoke about two or three weeks ago and what what about Tafoli, man i know Tafoli's yeah. not a bottom six but you know all the rumors are penguins are he, i think you might have to make this move just to prevent pittsburgh from getting him kind of like a yankee red sox thing man Tafoli yeah. would be nice Really would, you yeah, know? yeah. And I appreciate the call, Neil. Um, yeah, Tyler Toffoli, Russ is a guy that I like, um, and I think would be a nice upgrade for this team. Um, and yeah, like Neil said, he's not a bottom six guy, but you could you could then shuttle guys down further down the lineup, like and and have Toffoli kind of fit in. Um, I I I do think Toffoli though. The one thing about him is he's going to cost a little bit more because I think a lot of teams are going to be interested in him, you're probably going to have to be willing to part with a first-round pick to get to Foley. Okay. Or, or a top-end 
prospect, not Morgan Frost, but like maybe maybe a guy like like Rupsov. So, um, but anyway, uh, so I mean, that, you know, I mean, that's the one thing I can I would say. But uh, it's all good. All right. Uh, if you want to be like Neil and call in, 888-728-9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. Warren, you're on Snow the Goalie. How you doing, guys? Hey, Warren. Um, well, I'm a little disappointed in the team, especially over the last month. Uh, you know, I had tickets last year, and I dropped them because it just felt like they were boring, and it just weren't that good. And they're starting to remind me of this team last year over the last three or four weeks. I'm very concerned about the play of the veteran players. And, you know, they're obviously not in their top years. You know, Drew and Voracek don't, don't, you don't even notice them in some games. Uh, I'm just concerned about the intensity level of the team. And I also am concerned about, you know, we had some of our better younger players. Patrick is a real question mark going forward to me. Uh, I wonder if he's ever going to play again. And the other thing is Limbaum, you know, he's a great player. I think they really miss him. But just your thoughts on are, are we really just going back to last year with the, the play of this team, just very inconsistent. And, you know, hopefully they don't tank uh, the rest of the year. But, you know, you mentioned a lack of depth. That's just a big concern. Let me say this about Nolan Patrick. I said it in the beginning of the season, and I got slaughtered on Twitter because people said I was being too negative. Uh, migraines are something that unless you've experienced them, I don't know if you've had them, Warren. Um, they run in my family, and they're absolutely debilitating, and I'm not a professional athlete. Conceptually, the idea to me that you could try to rely on a guy to be the second-line center on a team and not know if night in and night out he's going to be available is something that I, I don't think you can build a team around um, and and I'd even go as far as to say that I'm not sure he plays another game as a Philadelphia Flyer now this can all go sideways the audio for this show will go up you know later tonight and by the time people listen to it on Tuesday via the podcast feed Chuck Fletcher might have already announced that Nolan Patrick's ramping back up and everything's you know rainbows and smiles but migraines are, are just something you can't mess with. And if, God forbid, it's something worse or it's a different kind of neurological condition, then I don't know how you can feasibly try to build a team around Nolan Patrick being any kind of a, a next wave of a star for this team. You know, you brought up Giroux and Voracek, and, and to me, anytime somebody brings up, you know, trading one of those guys or trading both of those guys or blowing up the core, it's like, well, you have to have that next group ready. And I think this team had planned on the Travis Konechny's, the Oscar Lindblom's, the Nolan Patrick's being that next wave. And, of course, Sean Couturier kind of, oddly enough, being like the elder statesman of that group, despite being in the prime of his career. Well, two of the guys I just mentioned, uh, one is not going to play another game this season. We hope that he has a, a successful treatment for Ewing sarcoma. We don't know what his future status is as an NHL player. And Nolan Patrick is is kind of right now he's he's not in isolation but there's not a whole lot you can do with him and even if you think that you can get a migraine condition under under control you also have to keep in mind that like these things can come on out of nowhere so unless you have a proactive treatment that nips it in the bud right away he could get a half hour out before game time and get taken out by a migraine where you got to go sit in a dark room medicate and essentially try to sleep it off 
I mean, everybody's body reacts differently, but the Nolan Patrick thing to me is a, a really scary one because the, if there were a cure for migraines, we'd have it, right? I, I don't know how you build around it. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, right now, I'm a little, little concerned that you're bringing up all these guys, but, you know, they're second-tier prospects guys to bring it up right now yeah and, and warren thanks for the call i mean that that's the thing that that really i think is is kind of not discussed enough russ there was a real belief not that long ago maybe two years ago two and a half years ago that the flyers had a top two top three farm system yeah okay that their prospect pool was better than almost any team in the NHL. There was a lot of you know experts who went back and forth vacillating between the Flyers and Vancouver Canucks, right? And now here we are a couple of years later, and while a number of these guys have you know come up into the NHL, some are playing regularly, some are not, um, I, I have to wonder that if you reassess that same group of players, if you still look at them and say, Oh yeah, they were they were you know the top prospect pool or second best prospect pool in the NHL because I'm not certain that they are, and I think that that's one of the things that that is should be a concern is that these players, while they are probably NHL quality players, that's not to say that they're they're not I'm not saying they're bad players, they're certainly NHL quality, but maybe it's like it's like when you have in baseball you have a starting pitching prospect right who you think is going to be a top-of-the-rotation guy, and it turns out that he's just a number four, number five, right? So he's a major league player, but he's not reaching the ceiling that you kind of thought that he'd get. Yeah. And I'm wondering if the Flyers have a number of players like that who are not not going to ever reach their ceiling. And look, a lot of these guys are still young enough that they can still grow, but it's going to take time. And are you sitting here saying to yourself, well, damn, do we still wait? How much longer do we have to wait? Yeah, we've waited seven seasons already. Yep. You know how much longer do we have to go? So that, to me, that's that's a concern. I'm going to get into that on the other side. We'll talk a little bit more about the young players on this team, are they meeting expectations and such, and and I think there are a couple that are worth doing a little bit of a deeper dive into. So we'll do that on the other side of this uh, of this break. You are listening to Snow the Goalie here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Four teams, two games, so little time left in the season. Don't miss out. Get in on all of the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so much going on this week, DraftKings has great promotions running every day. From odds boosts to free bets, they have it all. This week only, bet on any star player to score the first TD of the game with 10 to 1 odds. It doesn't get better than that. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe and secure betting app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And to top it all off, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering their best sign-up offer to date right now. You won't want to miss this. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus to 
thousand dollars. Don't forget that is code Crossing Broad and get your sign up bonus up to one thousand dollars only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only, in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We love DraftKings Sportsbook, and of course, we've got to turn it over to a successful San Filippo. Ever since you gave me that nickname... I've not been successful. It's not that I want to watch you fail. Ever I'm, since. I'm enjoying a little bit of the humble pie that's being served. It was frozen I, at Thanksgiving. And I was thawed out and served to you. At one point, I was eight and four giving out picks. Yep. All right. I give out one to two each week. I was eight and four. I'm now nine and nine. You were actually doing so well that at one point you were like, hey, you know what? I, uh, I, I, I decided I'm going to give you two this week. Yeah. Make it up to the people. Yeah. Me too. No, when I said I need to make it because up to the people because I had screwed lost. up the week before. Yeah. Yes. So I'm going to do two more tonight. Yes. <laughs> do Double down. Two, Successful two San Filippo. Yeah. Let's go. Nine and nine now, my record, unfortunately, uh, in that losing streak. But so I'm going to give two games one that's tonight and one that's tomorrow. So for that way, if there's people who don't hear the show until it's on the podcast, at least have one that they can bet tomorrow. Yep. Um, and I'm going to go with the same team in both games, but go on the opposite side of that. How do you like that? It's a little risky, right? So tonight, the Islanders are playing the Rangers in in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's a game that the Islanders are going to kind of be trapped a little bit because the Rangers have been playing much better hockey. They're a really skilled team, uh, very, very fast. And there's a that great rivalry anytime the Islanders come in. Uh, it really is a, a great atmosphere for Islanders-Rangers. I've never been to a game at Madison Square Garden to see those two teams play. It's a lot of fun. It really is a lot of fun. I'll take the Rangers tonight at home against the Islanders. But the Islanders have a home game tomorrow. All right, They're right back at it tomorrow. You think, well, all right, they, they got to play back-to-back. Uh, maybe you should go the other way on that. But I'm not. I'm going to sit here... And uh, I'm going to tell you that the Islanders are the play tomorrow night at home against a terrible Detroit Red Wings team. So bet against the Islanders tonight, bet the Rangers, and then tomorrow the Islanders rebound and beat Detroit at home. All right. That's my that's my New York twofer. I dig it. <laughs> a New York two-step. Two-step, yeah. I dig it. Yeah. All right, let's get into one of the guys or a couple of the guys that you had brought up before the break. You were asking about... Do we feel like guys haven't taken that next step? Yeah. And this is where I come back to, and it feels like I'm like doing the Nolan Patrick hour here, but we went into the offseason saying, man, in the 1920 season, we need to see that next step from Nolan Patrick. And it's funny because like in the way that people have reacted to him missing time this season, it's almost as if people had this inflated idea of what Nolan Patrick was as a player to this point in his NHL career. And I don't know if it's just the lofty expectations of an early pick um, and, and I know that like some people had thrown out the word bust, which I don't think you can do as long as a guy is injured or a guy is suffering from a migraine disorder like he is right now. But like, think about the player that Nolan Patrick has been in the first two years in the NHL. In 17-18, he had 30 points, 13 goals, 17 assists. The next season, he played one fewer game. He played 72. He had 13 goals again, 18 assists. He was also a minus eight. Not that that's a telling stat in an individual basis. But he wasn't exactly a guy who was tearing up the world, right? He had been featured on PP2 at different points last season. Uh, had one power play goal. Had one assist on power play last season. 
a big body that you thought you'd be able to rely on, a big body that a lot of people cited when the team moved on from Wayne Simmons as being a guy who might be able to step into that role, and then you'd have a Nolan Patrick and a James Van Riemsdyk on either of the power play units. He was supposed to be a guy that you could rely on. Fans, for some reason, seem to have this inflated idea of what Nolan Patrick was, and I don't mean to like be a total downer here, but a 30-point player uh, doesn't really do it for me. Now, you could make the case that the Flyers might have made a mistake in having him start with the club his rookie season. That at age 19, he might not have been ready for the NHL. And I think that's fair to a point, and maybe it was the organization felt like they needed to put butts in seats, and they knew that having a number two overall pick make the team out of camp was going to be the thing that could, I don't know, entice fans to come out and support the team. It's almost as if like uh, when the Sixers did the Together We Build and, and This Starts Now and all those wonderful campaigns. It was almost as if you were trying to stoke that fire and, and show people what the next generation of, of Philadelphia Flyers were going to look like. 30 points, 31 points. I'm not saying that the team wouldn't be better with him in, or that the team would be worse with him. They obviously wouldn't. But I'm not saying that, like, I don't think they would be fundamentally uh, an exponentially better team. I think they'd be okay. I think it would probably provide bottom six depth where you wouldn't have to look at the bottom six forward market like AV mentioned. But if people went into the season thinking that Nolan Patrick was going to take that next step and be a 60-point player, I mean, 40 would have been a pretty decent jump in his age 21 season, right? But the way that people have talked about his absence is, is almost alarming to me. The Oscar Lindblom absence is huge. The guy was leading the team in in goals. He was leading the team in points. That's a huge loss because we saw Oscar Lindblom take that next step in stark contrast to some of these other guys that we'll talk about. But Nolan Patrick hadn't really done it. So I think there, there is a question that comes up in this, and that's maybe it's not at the trade deadline, but does the team look to move on from Nolan Patrick? in the thought that maybe another team out there believes in that pre-draft hype. He's untradeable until he comes back to play. Yeah. So you can't talk about trading him in season unless he comes back in the next two, three weeks, right? Which maybe that's the maybe maybe that's the announcement. Maybe, maybe. trying to get him on the ice so that you could Maybe. But that's the that's I think that's still a long shot. Yeah. And then he's an RFA after the season. So <laughs> what do you pay him? <laughs> Do you pay him? You probably he, you probably give him a, a one year prove it deal, and then say, hey, if you come out and show us that you can play for the whole year, stay healthy, stuff like that, then we'll give you the you know the bridge. If all they want to offer him is a one year deal, I'm not even going to entertain the idea of teams trying to sign RFAs. But if you really do believe that a number two overall pick is worth something, and and the internal or the discussions that you've heard league wide are that the Flyers are only going to offer a one year tryout deal, I I don't know. Do you do you consider it if you're an opposing GM? Is there enough there that's worth it? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, you still take a chance. I mean, you know, he's like you said, he's he's a kid, right? I mean, he's twenty one years old. He's like Mark Helfoltz's age. He's twenty one. Yeah, and he's coming off of his ELC, and he was the number two overall pick. And yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not giving up a lot for him. Yeah, his value is down, but I mean, if I'm another team, I would, I would, if if the value is right, I would make the the, cha- the trade. So, um, but I don't. I, again, this is not something that's going to happen. At least I don't think it's going to happen prior to the, the deadline in February. I don't see it. Let's talk about other young players that we thought or that the team probably projected to have a big jump. Yeah, 
Oscar Lindblom succeeded. Travis Konechny has succeeded. At least in the early part of the season, he was on an absolute scoring tear. Travis Konechny seems to be a guy that we can probably definitively say has taken that next step in his career. Well, I mean, unless he unless he bottoms out in the second half of the he's season, he's leading the team in goal in points, tied for the team leading goals. He's an all star, and he's twenty two. Yeah, he's taking that next yep. step. So then, I guess we look on the defensive side. Travis Sanheim was a guy that I think a lot of people, including us, thought was arguably the best defenseman on the team last year. Has Travis Sanheim this season shown you enough to make you think that? He's taken the next step. No, I think he's actually taken a step back from last year. I, agree. I think he's taken a big step back from last year, and it's interesting. I think he's a guy that if Braun and Gostas Bear get healthy, because of where Sanheim is contractually, I mean, he's a guy who's got one more year after this year at three two five, and then he's an RFA, so he's got so there is some team control. That maybe that's a guy that could net you a player that you would like to improve your team. Just saying, like if you're trying to find trying to find where you can trade salary from this team, and you don't, and you think, all right, well, we've talked about Gossis Bear, but maybe his his value is so low because of he's having a second bad year in a row, and now he's injured, and so maybe that you know moving a contract that's four and a half million for the next three seasons uh, after this season uh, is a little bit harder to do. Mm-hmm then maybe you hang on to him and maybe Sanheim's the guy that gets moved out. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. Be a heck of a fall from grace. It would. Uh, we have about a minute to go, Russ. We have to uh, take a quick look ahead like we do every week uh, at the Flyers' schedule for this week and uh, make our predictions. Um, this week, it's a brutal schedule for the Flyers. Four games, although three of them are at home. Uh, Bruins tonight at St. Louis on Wednesday. Back home on Thursday and another back-to-back, this one against uh, Le Habitant, and then uh, the LA Kings come into town on Saturday. What do you got them at through those four games, Russ? Uh, they drop regulation tonight. Zidane Ochara's thousandth game in the NHL. They go on the road and they lose to the Blues. They come home against the Canadiens on Thursday. They win in overtime. And they win in a shootout over the Kings. So I'm going two and two. Two, two and two. And that's exactly what I was going to say. And I, I, while I don't have same them, games, I have them losing the two in regulation to Boston and St. Louis and winning okay. against Montreal and the Kings. Montreal is in a little bit of a free fall. I don't think they're going to need to go to overtime to beat Montreal. I think that that's a game that they can win in regulation. Um, the Kings, Kings are a little bit scared. That's the one that I'm kind of torn on a little bit. Yeah. Um, the Kings are a team that uh, they're not a very good road team, but they did beat the Flyers. Just a week and a half ago, out in L.A., you know, and put up a bunch, <laughs> scored a bunch of power play goals against the Flyers, and they have such a bad power play on that Kings team. So, yeah. uh, but I, I think the Flyers get exact the revenge. I say, I say two and two after uh, after this week, and then we have uh, one game next week, and then it's the you know the, their bye week and All Star break combined. They got both in yep. the same time, so that's a long stretch without hockey. Yep. So. And the positive thing for fans is, of course, they're going to stay in touch with us over the next week because we're going to be doing the Press Row show at the Bruins-Flyers uh, game tonight, first and second intermission. We'll be there Thursday as well against Montreal and Saturday. So check us out and uh, check all the stuff we're going to write over on CrossingBroad.com. For Anthony Sanfilippo, I'm Russ Joy, and thanks to uh, Lennox on the other side of the glass.